Hello and welcome to the Be Kind to Your Mind podcast. I am your host Rachel Bell and my guest joining me on today's show is Mina. My hope is that together we will have an honest and real conversation about mental health and wellness and your life experiences. Please know that this is a safe space to share, listen, learn and evolve in our lives and break down the barriers in our minds together. I am not a health professional, but I am a good listener and someone with real lived experience in this area. If you need someone professional to speak to, please see the show notes for more information. Please note this episode may contain content that could upset certain listeners. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me at bekindtoyourmindpodcast at gmail.com or you can head over to the Instagram page, bekindtoyourmindpodcast. Alrighty, so uh, today's guest, as I said, is Mina. Mina and I catch up over Zoom, as you'll soon find out Mina is not in Australia. She's all the way over in the United States. Uh, We hung out for a little bit together and, you know, the intention was for us to have a chat about her financial business um, and then also talk a little bit about narcissistic uh, relationships. I was very excited to speak to her because it is something that I've had some experience with in the past, but I really wasn't expecting to get so emotionally involved in this. Um, I definitely ended up having this podcast be a lot about my personal uh, experiences in life as well as Mina's. We found that we had a lot in common when it came to the relationships that we've had and the experiences that we had in those relationships. It made me feel very overwhelmed and as a pre-warning I do get quite upset in this but I still wanted to have this published for you all to listen to because I thought it was important that I keep my experiences real as well. I want to be that kind of person that is showing you that none of us are perfect. We all have areas of our life that we want to work on. We've all, you know, had experiences that perhaps we wish we hadn't have had. I am a real person. I always say at the beginning of each podcast that I have real life experience in the mental health area and, you know, this episode just ended up being one of those those times when... Um, when that was kind of proved (laughs) I guess so I was so grateful to Mina uh, for sharing her story with me and so grateful for allowing me to share mine with her at the same time Um, it's a very meaningful podcast episode for me and it's one that I will treasure a lot because I feel like I found uh, a real friend across the seas At the end of episode 5, I did promise you all something extra special for episode 6. This isn't uh, the episode that I planned um, because I wanted to reshuffle a couple of things, so apologies. This episode is pretty special and uh, it means a lot to me actually, but it's not the episode that I had um, planned on bringing you for that special episode 6. I'm going to hold off on that for a little bit longer. I'll keep you all waiting and guessing. (laughs) But um, uh, nevertheless, this episode, as I said, uh, is incredibly special to me in its own right. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Mina, and welcome to the Be Kind to Your Mind podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Really, really, really uh, lovely having you here. It's your talking to us all the way over from Los Angeles. Exactly. Yeah. It's like 8 p.m. at night. And it's a Saturday night. um, And I'm very lucky to have you in on a Saturday night having a chat to me. Oh, well, thank Um, you. I really appreciate it. Honored to be on. Thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to our chat today because you're a multifaceted girl, a little bit like me. You've got a few different uh, uh, hats (laughs) that you wear in life. So, uh, you at the moment so you lost your job you told me um, but that's actually been a really positive thing for you which is always great to hear usually when people sort of lose their jobs it's kind of like despair and misery but you've um, you found it a good thing because you've been able to pick up some some new hobbies and some new businesses and um, and, and connect with people in in you know better ways I guess so that's a really cool thing so talk us through the whole how did the job 
loss come around? Is that um, a COVID thing or? Yes, definitely. So um, the most recent thing, in, uh, I was working in corporate America at a staffing agency. So um, we gave career counseling, career coaching advice, um, and placing mostly finance professionals in full-time jobs. Okay. Prior to that, I spent, oh gosh, a decade in financial planning and wealth management. Um, and then COVID happened. So almost everyone was laid off. And, um, you know, of course, at the big, on the onslaught of it, every thought, everybody thought, oh gosh, you know, this is going to be the worst thing. And of course, the economy is, um, you know, sluggish is what I'll call it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been pretty um, an interesting time for me. It's been an eye-opening um, time so that I could, you know, start on some projects that I had uh, been putting off. Cool. Well, that's really yeah. good. So one of those projects um, I'll touch on first because it's a passion of mine as well, and that's music. What kind of music have you been working on? Yeah, so I've released a few records in the past, um, but it's been a good six or seven, eight years some odd that I've released anything. Um, and it's kind of like dark, ethereal pop kind of stuff. And um, I used to write on guitar a lot. Uh, and then now I've transferred over to Logic and just trying to write from a synth patch or a, you know, a loop or some sort of cool. um, electronic sound. And Are you a singer or is it? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Is there somewhere where we can listen to your music? Are you posting online? Um, I haven't posted too much new stuff online, Okay. but, um, but I'll definitely, um, let you know when I okay. yeah, no, that sounds put good. everything up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other little project that you started, obviously, because you've got a background in financial planning, like you just said, is from broke to work financial planning. Yeah. So um, my friend and I, we both worked in financial planning and then worked as career counselors. Uh, we started this new company called the Money Mindset Club, and we really helped millennials um, more focused on women uh, because of three factors, pay gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, women tend to take more time out of corporate America or time off of work, and then women live longer. Mm-hmm. So we feel like that's a really um, needed space. So we help mostly millennial women go from broke to woke. So <laughs> yeah, so really is just really helping um, kind of a catchphrase, but really just helping people with financial planning, debt reduction, saving, investing. Yeah. Okay, that's really cool. And do you, so do you have a large following already of people who you're helping out or is it just we're new? Just, yeah, we're just getting started. Um, and so we're launching our website soon, themoneymindsetclub.com. Beautiful. And yeah, so. People can also reach you on Instagram too. You've got themoneymindset.club on Instagram. Exactly, um, Money Mindset yeah. Club. Mm-hmm. You um you reached out to me originally because you wanted to um, help empower women and talk to them about noticing different kinds of attributes in people that we might have relationships with. And I am going to say that it's relationships, not only romantic, but also friendships and even relationships you might have with um, colleagues at work or family. Um, and more precisely, it's around narcissism for you. And that comes from a couple of relationships that you've had um, that you basically have said was, you know, narcissistic abuse and codependent relationships. Mm-hmm. Did your mental health journey with these things start from a relationship point of view or is this something, or did you have something in your past, like from your childhood that kind of stemmed from this? Have you gone back that far to think about where it started for you? Yes. I mean, as far as I can tell, uh, going back a little way, um, I grew up in a very, very happy childhood. Um, we lived, you know, I grew up in Texas, not that far from Houston, a really small town. Um, my parents were both teachers. Um, I have a couple of sisters. So, you know, my, my childhood wasn't, um, it was somewhat idyllic in some ways, but I would say um, the thing that stands out to me as any trouble point would be that um, my parents were divorced mm-hmm. and we had a lot of battle with custody and, you know, being put in the middle of this situation, I think. And I think that um, being a tumultuous situation lent itself t- for me to be a certain way. 
my sister rebelled <laughs> and was very vocal about um, pushing boundaries and she continued to get in trouble all the time. So I uh, took the exact opposite approach. I was very quiet, very compliant um, and very maybe empathetic and compassionate about the situation. It could see the, um, the dynamic in a way because mm -hmm. I wasn't really bucking authority. I was really observing and standing back. And so I think as I grew up, I realized that um, I chose people <laughs> who were hurt or that I wanted to help. And that's fantastic if you're a nurse or a teacher <laughs> or something. But sometimes in a just straight on the nose, as you said, like a, um, in my personal experience, a personal relationship, it can be somewhat mm, detrimental. Yeah, definitely. And I can relate. So my okay. personal experience is quite similar to the fact where um, I think on like episode three, I've talked about, um, I was editing it last night and I talked about the fact that my psychologist that I was seeing at the time was like, you just want to find broken people and fix them. Now people have said that to me before, but having a perfect, almost perfect stranger say, <laughs> say that to you like, oh, okay, you don't really even know me. And you're telling me that like, I like to save people. And yeah, it's exactly, you know, learning to put myself first because I always put everybody else first. So I can relate to that. It's, um, we think that it's a lovely trait to have to be kind and always helpful and very empathic towards those who are in need. But in my experience, it's backfired on me every time. Yeah. So um, it's interesting because I trace back. Um, I was in, I was married and then that didn't work out, but I wouldn't call him on the nose, maybe a, a sociopath. I wouldn't go that far. But right around that time, I felt, I guess, maybe very vulnerable. Um, and I got into a, another relationship a little while later. And this person was quite on the nose personality disorder. But at the time, I had no idea what that was. Mm -hmm. So um, as lies and things started to unfold, and I started understanding at the end that the whole thing was, you know, a fake relationship. I didn't know what that even was or what the motivation would even, why waste everybody's time? So, um, so oh. yeah, that, that was kind of the really interesting, um, eye opening. And then there was a couple of bosses where I was like, Oh wow. Now that I've learned about these traits and understand this, Oh wow. I could see how that could maybe could have lent itself to, um, no wonder why I chose those jobs. No wonder why I let that person walk on me and at work. It's been a really, really interesting somewhat empowering situation because you go through life and you don't, I feel like a lot of people are very re reactionary because you grew up with a certain, you know, I don't want to call it programming, but you know, you learned things in a certain way. Yeah. And you react to your environment in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I would never thought, oh, well, no wonder why I didn't ask for that raise at work. Mm, that's because I didn't feel like I was worth it. Oh, no wonder I didn't stand up to that person. Well, I just told you I didn't stand up to people when I was a kid. <laughs> so I, di I didn't really learn that and see my sister's exact opposite. She's like very, um, you know, bucks authority, as I say. So I would say um, it um, spilled over into many aspects. Once I started understanding myself and my role in that first relationship with, you know, w would probably be clinically, probably <laughs> be said that this person's a sociopath, pretty on the nose. But it's been an interesting situation afterwards to say, wow, look, at my role in it and what does that mean about me and how can I learn from it and heal? And then that's why I started uh, from victim to victor because I didn't want to consider myself a victim because I had learned so much. I was like, wow, what an eye opening experience. And yeah. So which led me to you, Rachel. <laughs> I, I can't believe this. I feel like you just told my story and I'm, I'm going to be genuine here and just say I'm holding back some tears because um the more I talk, it's going to come out. I don't think I've yeah. ever met anyone like you before who completely gets what I've been through in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I've never, I think you're really brave. Sorry. 
I think you're really brave coming on and telling your story because I've always felt so embarrassed to tell it Mm. because I didn't understand. um, I didn't understand why it was happening to me and why I was attracted to those kind of people. But I have um, the first relationship that I had was with someone who I would definitely call a sociopath, although it was never, you know, diagnosed if you want to use that label. Mm -hmm. Um, In hindsight, that's how I felt from when I started learning about it. I think the upsetting thing for me is that I allowed it to happen again mm-hmm. quite a few quite a few years later, like 10 years later, um, with someone who definitely had a borderline personality disorder, again, unrecognised. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is the embarrassment that I have because I'm like, if you did it once and then 10 years later you did it again, you obviously haven't learnt from the situation. But I think maybe it took me time to understand what was happening. They were slightly different situations, both of them, but I saw a lot of similarities, but then I used to get scared, you know? So um, I'm in an an amazing relationship now, but even at the beginning of our relationship, I still saw signs and went, Oh, that's so much like, you know, Mm -hmm. which can be soul destroying because you don't then um, give yourself that space to accept something different um, because you just keep comparing it. And I was so scared of being, you know, hurt again and going down the financial trap. I don't know if that happened to you, but I ended up, you know, I was in a really good job with lots of money and I ended up broke and, um, you know, paying other people's loans and things for them. And you just go out of your way to give them what they need. And at the end of it, exactly like you said earlier, you find out that it was fake, that it was and I don't know for you, but I just kept feeling there was unanswered questions that I wanted answered. And it took me to get to a point where I just had to go, it doesn't matter. Let it go. Exactly. Cause it would be the sleepless nights of just going, but why, and why this, and why would you say that? And then also to me, I'd be going, but why didn't you realize that that would be a lie? But I did, I questioned it and I was told I was wrong. Gaslighting comes into it. That's another really important red flag for women to notice and men. Sorry, I won't. Mm -hmm. But for people to notice, red flag, you know, if you feel a certain way in your gut and your heart and your head, it doesn't matter where it comes from. If your soul is telling you something, bloody think about that. (laughs) Think about it hard and don't don't do like the things that I wouldn't do for love anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, these relationships exist because you think that you're in love. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest because you would do anything for love. Yes. I have just been speaking for far too long. Sorry, because this is about <laughs> you, but I just had to, I had to just um, say thank you because what you just said then, I've never had this conversation with anyone. I've never found anyone in such a similar situation. And yeah, wow. It just feels very <laughs> like we were meant yeah. to be here. So yeah, definitely. It's definitely that someone, because I'm not the kind of person who would ever use someone for all kinds of things. You know, people get used for, like you say, money, um, a place to live, passport, you know, like papers, like like green card and papers and stuff. And I, none of these things really ever crossed my mind because I was working and going about my day and just living life. Um, but once I started hearing a lot of stories, um, of what other, and, and it's not to say that there aren't women who aren't this way, but I tend to run into more women who are the victims or the, the caregivers (laughs) to to men in this this way. And and so I'm going to say it, you know, in that way. So most of the women that I run into with these stories, um, it's, and of course, then it starts lending itself down to some women who stay in it and things escalate and it gets domestic violence and it gets really crazy and icky and sticky in certain kinds of situations. And it's unfortunate how many stories I've heard about it. And really, um, mostly though, I'm really happy because I can bestow my knowledge of here's what I did to heal and here's what you can do to heal and it will get better and it will, and it does take time, but it gives you wisdom about yourself and discernment about who to choose next and what job maybe to choose next and to value yourself. 
um, in all areas of your life. And I really think that that's an important lesson to learn. It, albeit painful, <laughs> an important lesson to learn. Yeah. And you know, I wish I had met someone or heard a story like yours 10 years ago, even five years ago. It's, and this is why this podcast is so important because it might just be someone's story, but it's going to affect you've already affected me just by sharing and you know I can experience and feel that you know what it's like to to have gone through this yeah Uh, well it's interesting too because like there's triggers Mm. and that's a really good um, indicator what the triggers are and how to use those so sometimes I get I think about it sometimes I get very angry and rather than use the anger to do something to someone else I use it as fuel to reach out to Rachel on a podcast and how can I help somebody else and what can I do to post today that maybe will make someone um, enlighten someone's day or give them some positivity or hope and so use those triggers because those are really indicative to uh, your growth and your shadow work that that needs to be done but definitely an indication and so um yeah i would definitely say even in the hard times i have learned really how to just be a like a sweet my self-talk did a an an 180 i used to be oh i can't believe you're so stupid or why did you say that to that person or after this situation happened that never happened again Mm. i was very compassionate to myself i would like pat myself when I would be really super inconsolable, just depressed and couldn't get out of bed. I learned how to mother like myself and how to be so kind to myself because I was like, Hey, these people are going to be mean to you. And there's not, unfortunately, a lot of control that you have over certain situations. So instead of dwelling in those, how are you going to control now and moving forward? And how are you going to take care of yourself the way, you know, that you should? And so, of course, that was the questions to myself. So definitely Mm -hmm. journaling and meditation and breath work. And um, I read this book, actually pulled it out of um, of the bookcase. It's called Facing Codependence by Pia Melody. Mm -hmm. This was very paramount, um, you know, just talking about codependency, where it comes from, how it sabotages. Um, and so was that, a, was, that um, was that a a situation for you, codependent? Were you codependent on your partner and that's why you continued to stay in a relationship? Yes, because, you know, I felt responsible for this person. I felt responsible for their, because they weren't working. And so I was working and paying all the bills and you don't just want to kick somebody out. These, there's all kinds of things, right? And then um, I didn't. But they were. It. Sorry, I just wanted to. That they were codependent on you. It was more you were the strong one, right? But sure, I was sure enabling them to. Yeah. To do okay. It. No, no. Uh, the reason why I'm asking that is because that's <laughs> the same situation for me in both of the relationships I had, and I wasn't sure whether you were saying that you are actually reliant on them or not because that would be like a different twist because a lot of narcissism is also about you know like and I know you would appreciate this you know I was told you're nothing without me no one else will want you but me if you leave me you'll be alone um you know those kind of that that gaslighting that starts to happen to make you think oh well I have to stay with this person because otherwise I'm uh, I'm, I'm nothing without them um mm-hmm. so they make you feel like you're dependent on them when in fact they're dependent on you exactly Um, And then also, well, so much of that is projection. Um, And I guess, you know, from my standpoint, yeah, I just didn't want to kick the person out. And, you know, like you said, I knew in the back of my mind, some things didn't add up, but I thought, well, it could be true or that could be the situation. And I need some more hardcore evidence before I, blatantly um you know um accuse I don't like to be totally reactionary I want to you know make sure that I'm not um jumping to conclusions or things like that so 
but once I found evidence <laughs> of quite a bit of craziness, um, and then there's been two people in my life. So I understand I, I had one person, then a year and a half or two years later, boom, there's another person. Different situations as far as what the, um, you know, what the situation was. But again, I allowed it to happen for the second time. And that's when I really go, wow, there was still work to be done um, for myself. And then, you know, it, yeah, I, I just try not to. I know to, exactly how you're feeling right now. I can see it in your face. Like, okay, yeah, just, you're just like, you're, it's, you're like, you hey. feel embarrassed, but then on the other hand, it's like, it wasn't really my doing, but then why did I allow, like, it's that self-talk that I haven't got over that yet. I'm still battling no. with the, it wasn't your fault. You're not to blame. And so many people have said that to me, but I still feel like it was, I should have known. And I think that's where, like, I don't want to play the victim. That's definitely not who I am. But I feel like I should have known better the second time round. That's the one I don't right. forgive myself for. And I should have known earlier because you just said then when you found evidence of things, you know, mm -hmm. I, did you, did you try and tell yourself that it can't be true? Did you go down that as well? Did you say, no, that can't be true? It must no, be I mean, the, well, no, the second time, um, the person kept saying they're going to fix the situation. Uh, um, the first person never addressed it. Oh, that's not me. And you have it all wrong. And I'm like, well, this is pretty much in black and white. This is pretty okay. Mm, bye. Um, so that was that situation. But the second one, the guy kept dragging it on and on and on because it behooves him to stay in this situation because I'm helping with the business. I'm, you know, I can, I'm clearly can be controlled as well. I have the evidence. He knows it's true. I know it's true. But, you know, the reason why I stayed in that, you know, situation for as long as I did is because he kept saying, oh, I'm going to fix it and come to the psychiatrist with me. And then we'd go do that. And then back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, I am absolutely an advocate for compassionate you know, living and to definitely help other people. But there definitely is a, le a level and a borderline, you know, that a boundary, so to speak, yeah. that you can't fix everybody. Yeah. And if it is in their best interest to continue to manipulate and control people, that's what they're going to continue to do. And if they don't want to change, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how much you give and douse it with love they aren't going to reciprocate and they are going to continue to use you and abuse you until you're tired, broke. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's such and such, right? And, mm -hmm. and in this particular situation, it escalated to where it got really physical. And that was uh, the, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm done. That's enough. For me, the second time around, I was, as soon as I saw the first signs of anything physical, I pulled the pin and yeah. I woke up. And it was bizarre because, and then the anger started because like within myself, because it's like, you've known this for the last six months. Why now? Just because, you know, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. It's amazing that day when you finally realize that you don't have to put up with that forever um, or yeah. any longer and you decide to move on. And even that came with problems, you know, you, yeah. 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 Even that's a journey. That's yep. a journey too. Mm. Yeah. And Trying to and become I, dependent, well, not that I wasn't dependent on myself, but, you know, when you live together with someone and then having to go then and find a, a place to live and then or everything that goes with that, you know, the having to pack yeah. up and, yeah. 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 It's hard. Definitely. Definitely. It's hard. It's heartbreaking. And, but in the end, I agree with you. You're not supposed to carry their suitcase of pain it's not yours to carry. It's no. unfortunately, um, that's something they have to work through and work on and learn how to, um, you know, deal with their pain in healthy ways, yeah. just like we all have to deal with pain in healthy ways. Um, so they call it, it's funny, I was listening to something the other day and they called it a grief case. You don't have to carry their uh -huh. grief case <laughs> instead of grief like that. That's good. So it yeah. And you don't have to carry it. And, um, you know, it becomes a little bit lighter as you let go of that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing I struggled with the most was closure, like you mentioned, but mostly for the next person. I felt so terrible for the next person because I knew what was about to happen to them. And I struggled so much with, should I tell them or should I go back and forth and back and forth? And it's very difficult not to say anything because you really truly do want to help people. Yeah. But unfortunately in this particular situation, it's like he's, he's going to say I'm crazy and he's going to, kind of pin this situation to where it sounds like, you know, into his behoove him. And it's a lesson she's going to have to learn just like I learned. And I just don't like suffering in the world. And it was really kept me up at night a lot. Yeah. I, um, I went to my, one of the things I spoke to my psychologist about was that, that whole thing of, you know, I feel sorry for the next person. And she said to me, don't worry about it because it's not, like you said, it's not your grief case. I really like that. Um, it's not your, it's not yours to worry about anymore. But um, it, there's that thing inside of you because we, we're protectors, right? And we're empathic to this and we want to go, but I don't want anyone else to go through what I just went through. And, and she's like, there's literally nothing you can do about that if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So it, that was hard to you know, really in, drill in and, and say to myself, well, we just have to look at yourself. And for the first time in my life, I had to look at me and fix me and help me um, and repair me. And it was like, well, okay, I've just got me to worry about. <laughs> Cause, mm-hmm. And I'm like, how damaged did I get to the fact where all, all this stuff had happened and I'm here sitting talking to a psychologist and I'm still worried about other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, it's a, big, <laughs> it's a big learning curve. This is, uh, this is, yeah, it's more than what you can ever imagine. And hindsight with these situations is a wonderful thing I've learned um, coming through the other side. But I guess I'd love to know what you, like for people that might be listening to this podcast who feel like they're in a situation like this but don't know how to get out, get out of it mm-hmm. or don't, Real, like they're having the questions like I did. They're sort of thinking, mm, I'm seeing some red flags, but I'm not really sure because we're in love. And what for you would be your advice to them right now? Mm, I mean, it's very, uh, there's a fine line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because every situation is different. But if there's something that, your gut instinct continually tells you is wrong and that um, maybe the person's very hot and cold. Um, They'll praise you and then they'll demean you. And it's very, uh, and they're very attention seeking people. Um, And if you do anything for yourself, you're somehow wrong. Or if you feel like you're always, always walking on eggshells, these are pretty big red flags. Um, And I definitely would say trust your instinct. If you are the kind of person like me where you feel like you need to have um, evidence, you know, that you can't get out of it until you have some sort of evidence, well, then um, once you get it, though, if that's the situation at hand, um, once you have it, you can't change the situation. I want to just make sure that people... You'll, you stay because you think it's going to get better and you think it's going to get better and you think, and unfortunately, most of the time it gets worse because now you've confronted them. Now you're aware of it and they know you're aware of it and the, the jig is up kind of idea. Even if and, they don't, even if they don't admit that, like, even if they don't agree with you that what you found is correct, they will still realize that you're onto them. And then, yeah, you're right. It gets worse. And I wish I knew that at the time. It ends would, up getting worse and worse and worse and things just get to a point where you can't um, stay. It's that's when it begins to get to a point where it's really unsafe to stay. Um, So I would definitely say if, if your gut instinct continues to tell you something and you're waking up in the night or something, the universe is trying to tell you and protect you in a way. And if you keep getting a read about something, pay attention to it. Mm. Um, I would say if you, feel threatened, definitely find a safe place. Mm -hmm. 
you'll need to get some money together if that's the situation. Um, you know, and I would say make a plan. If you're in a really, really heated situation that you don't feel comfortable leaving, because I understand you can feel very, very manipulated. Mm -hmm. I completely understand. So I would say that I would say, um, you know, reach out to someone that you trust and someone that can help you to get out of, um, you know, a a, a toxic situation. Did you, um, get out of those relationships safely, uh, physically and financially? I know mentally you definitely wouldn't have, but, um, how did, how did that wrap up for you? Yeah. I mean, financially, because I had a background in finance, I knew what kind of information to give people really and not. I feel like I never really gone down that path because I haven't given people access to my bank account and uh, thousands of dollars. And, you know, I never really have gone that far down the rabbit hole. Um, But physically there's been some problems and what I did the last time when things got crazy out of hand, I thought the police won't get here fast enough. And I called my neighbors mm. and the neighbors came right away and he left. Amazing. Yeah. So, and that's when my neighbors were like, no more of that guy. And there was like, you know, the place was beat up. It was, you know, it was kind of crazy. So, um, but yeah, it, it can get to a point where things aren't safe. So I would definitely say, trust your gut instincts. Yeah. Don't That's really, really, really good advice that you give to reach out to people close to you. If you don't think the police are going to be able to intervene quicker. Um, I think that's, yeah, that is great advice. And for me, in my experience, I never even imagined going to the police. I would definitely threaten it, but I never did it because I didn't want to get involved in all that drama. I just wanted to get out, you know, I didn't want to, unfortunately I was pushed to the point where I had to. So Mm -hmm. I guess my advice for people is don't fear that reaching out to the police. I wish I had done it a bit sooner. That was the only Mm -hmm. issue. I didn't do it soon enough. Um, And you need evidence to be able to really, you know, protect yourself, I guess. So Um, yeah, it's very, it's a, it's a, an area where you're quite, living in fear because you're not only fearing what the next step from an unpredictable partner is going to be, but also what could come in the future. If you're a bit like me and you always think ahead (laughs) to what the worst case scenario could be. Mm -hmm. I, Oh, and you, you know what? I was just reading my notes here and I'm like, you've got two cats. Me too. I love cats. What are your cat names? Um, one of them's name is Rojo or Red, and the other one's name is Blackjack. <laughs> oh, I love it. Red and Blackjack. Are you Red a and poker Blackjack. player? <laughs> yeah, I'm a poker player. Exactly. Oh, Let's go, go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're on some, like, mental wavelength here. I'm getting everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then there's another couple of cats, like the neighbors have a cat. She's yeah. really cute. Her name's Lydia. She's a blue Russian. She's really pretty. Oh, and then beautiful. there's another, like, black fluffy cat that's named uh, Stewie. So anyway, the neighbors have some cats. It's like a little cat condo. <laughs> Love it. So, but they're really sweet. And um, it it's makes for an endearing, you know, place to place to be. Oh, so they all like uh, to get, cause are you in an apartment? So have you got the cats like all together? Is that yeah, what well they're outside. So oh, they okay. kind of, yeah, they're kind of in and out a little bit. Um, yeah. they don't have a house to go to at night, but they like to congregate. So the all, all the neighbor's cats will come in your house and vice versa. That's and just cool. kind of, yeah, just kind of hang out and then they'll leave. That's very sweet. Very, very cool. Yeah. So what's next? What's next for you? You're doing your financial planning um, business that you're starting. Um, your mental health. Where are you at with all of that? Do you seek any anything now for for healing? Um, I do a meditation. So I do a daily meditation. Um, I haven't been journaling as much as I should. I think the journaling was pretty paramount in my healing. And when I would have um, a, a um, I don't even know what to call them. When I'd have a, an episode where I just got so overwhelmed with emotion, I started writing everything down. And can you believe she said this? And can you believe this happened? And 
but it was really great because it got it out, out, it mm-hmm. gets it out of me. And then sometimes I go back and read the notes and go, Oh wow, that's a little nugget of self-development. If you go back and read them that maybe you journaled every single day for six or nine months or some odd, you know, a good, a little amount of time. If you go back and read them, you really start seeing patterns in yourself, thought patterns. Also, you go, wow, I still haven't gotten over this one thing. You know, yeah. come on, Mina, it's been six months or however long. Yeah. So that's also good in your progress. So I want to say keeping a journal and keeping kind of record of your healing is really interesting and helpful. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so meditation, breath work. Um, I really started, you know, laughing. I tried to watch comedies and listen to good music that I liked or, you know, anthemic songs about, you know, other women had been through this too. And Beyonce has a million songs and, you know, really try to um, empower myself and not carry someone's grief case every single day because it's too heavy. It's not it's, it's too heavy. <laughs> Can you see so, yourself getting into another relationship soon or are you happily single right now? Yeah, I'm happy where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to bring any sort of, I don't know. Um, Baggage. <laughs> yeah, any sort of stuff with me into the next relationship. So I, when I feel ready, I will For sure. know, embark on that situation. But, but it's not moment, something that you're really nervous about or anything. No. Nah, have you ever heard that uh, share interview where they say, oh, you, you know, do you like men? She goes, oh, yeah, I think men are the coolest, but you don't need them to live. <laughs> and she goes, <laughs> you know, my mom, <laughs> she said, you know, my mom said to me, honey, one day you should settle down and marry a rich man. And she goes. So at this point in our interview, we lost our Zoom connection for a little moment. And it was very unfortunate because it was right as Mina was about to tell the punchline of this quote from Cher, which I had heard before. So we did manage to pick it up at the end. Sorry, the whole thing (laughs) literally just froze. Every, all of that was just frozen. I got to the point where you were like, and she says, and I actually think I have heard it. And she says, I am the rich man, right? Is that what yes. she Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, it was so, so lovely having a chat with you. And I feel like oh, even personally off podcast, you and I um, should really keep in touch because. Yeah, let's. Uh, I should um, come out to Australia person. one day. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, it's been really, really lovely. And I'm sorry that I cried on you, but thank you for letting me open up like that and um, and being able to share a little bit about me because I haven't spoken a lot about my story as yet on the podcast either. So of course. a little bit of insight for people who are listening as well. Is there any kind of like leaving comment that you'd like to share with everyone? I would just say, you know, trust yourself and you know, don't doubt yourself in, in situations, you know, don't sell yourself short. So. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mina. I really appreciate it. And I'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Okay. So coming up next on uh, mental health moments with Gareth, we continue the chat around personality disorders and relationships that both he and I have had in our past. Um, I did kind of spring this one on him because I kind of didn't want him to expect what we were going to talk about, being that I knew it would be difficult and I thought that it was better coming from a a raw point. It does mean that this topic is a little bit short because it was hard for us, um, but I thought it was really important that we still included it as I really want people to not be afraid to talk about the kinds of feelings that they have around toxic relationships. Hello. <laughs> wow, Every time it gets a bit more, a bit louder and a bit more high pitched. Hello. Um, I come on a bit of a serious note at the moment. Okay. And I didn't pre-warn you before I hit record because I wanted to uh, really feel into this both myself and you. The podcast that everyone's just listened to was uh, with Mina, and it was very emotional for both myself and her. 
It was mostly about um, our partners that have had uh, BPD in the past. You've also had relationships of this nature before as well. Yes. And I know that you'll have some insight about coping mechanisms for people that might be currently in a relationship like this. Where they're being gaslighted, where they're being manipulated, where they're being used. Yeah, okay, it's... it's... Because remember when you're in it, you can't, you don't, you don't see that there's a way out. You, you, You sit and you think and you try to figure out how to get out of it, but they're just... There just doesn't seem to be a way. And I think one of the one of the things that really hit me the most, and I'm probably repeating myself now, but is that everyone thinks it's so easy. In hindsight, people would go, why didn't you just leave? Yeah, it's not... Emotional abuse is not that simple. No, um, no. And even to a degree, I have more sympathy now for people with personality disorders than I did before. Yeah, when I realised the lengths that my ex-partner would go to to manipulate get their own way even yeah i was like wow okay so this is very important to you obviously Mm. um but yeah it actually but now there is a pity part for me like it's not pity but i do feel for the person who can't like i've learned more about it after i've exited that relationship and since i've known you and we've talked about it and i've Mm. researched it and my psychologist talked to me about it Mm -hmm. and it's a horrible mental illness There are ways in which you can uh, heighten or highlight those BPD traits, you know. And look, for the instances that I've had, it's been past trauma. So there could be substance abuse to get rid of that. And I never realised that. I never realised that that's what people who use substance abuse are doing are sometimes doing are sometimes doing i never realized that using drugs was a way of making their mind quiet or escaping their normal thoughts or changing their feelings or yeah it can be all about those things i know uh now with my experience the person that i was involved with that that suffered from bpd didn't have any um coexisting drug or alcohol dependency issues um and i think that's great um plus to them but um yeah sometimes sometimes drug use can be about escaping or stopping the thoughts of 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 living in the past you know you might be thinking about your childhood or trauma that you've experienced and you can't escape from those looping thoughts so you introduce a substance to change that for you um yeah it can be all about that um but as i was saying earlier yeah i just have a lot of i just have a lot of um a different regard for people that are struggling in that way um i don't think i think you could say that the vast majority of people with bpd are not deliberately not fully aware of why they're acting the way they're acting so i think that reduces their culpability a little bit I think for me, my experience is there was no diagnosis. And so uh, I didn't even know what BPD was then really. Not I mean, at a top level, but I didn't know the inner details of it and why people reacted certain ways, etc. or acted certain ways. Um, so I guess my advice for people is really just to, if you think that you're in that situation, is to just read reach out try and get some help yeah reach Um, out get some help even if you like if you think you're just going around in circles and why is everything bad always happening to you it's probably not you um and from learning about different mental illness traits you can find relief yes yes there's help out there yeah you know you might also be someone who suspects that they may have a personality disorder which i don't even like that term i wish they would change it um personality disorder but if you feel like you may be suffering from a disorder of your personality or if you feel like you might be in a relationship with someone who is suffering there is help out there um maybe in the show notes we can include a little bit of information for people yep um, for there's sure. an organization called spectrum which as far as i know can help with counseling etc but yeah, we can do a little bit of research and pop some something in the show notes for people. Yeah, definitely. That's my only thing. Yeah. Thanks, darling. No worries. 
Oh, alrighty. What an episode that was. I hope you've all made it through to the other side. Um, a massive thank you again to Mina and to Gareth for sharing um, their experiences with me. And um, I'm going to say a thank you to myself for being brave enough to <laughs> edit this and um, and put it to air. I was, I was a bit nervous about uh, editing this podcast. I haven't I didn't listen to it for a really long time. I think originally this was recorded, I want to say in April, maybe May, but it's um, obviously July now and I haven't, uh, yeah, I hadn't listened to it until I edited it again because I knew it was going to be difficult. If you feel that you need to reach out to someone professional after listening to this episode because you identify with some of the things that we were talking about, please do see the show notes. I have put... Uh, so recommendations there uh, from both Gareth uh, and myself and um, please if you need to if you feel like you don't have anyone else to reach out to I am more than happy for you to send me an email or uh, a direct message through Instagram and um, and I'm more than happy to, to have a chat with you I, I, I would hate for anyone to feel like they feel alone it was one of the biggest things that I had to overcome as I was going through uh, tumultuous relationships. As always, thank you so much for listening today and I hope that you were actually able to, to gain some insight and feel a bit more comfortable with, um, with your barriers. If you'd like to be on the show, please email me or go to the Instagram page and fill out the form in the link, guest application. And if you like the show, please don't forget to give a little rating on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. This way we can spread the word further. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about the podcast either. Send that link out. <laughs> the more people who hear our stories, the more equality we can gain in mental health. If you're struggling today, I see you. Keep going. Tomorrow is a brand new day. And until next time, my friends, take care and don't forget to be kind to your mind. <laughs>